Hey NAI football fans, this is Corey Thorpe with another edition of the NAI F-Ball podcast powered by AdCraft USA. These guys are our presenting sponsors for yet another year. And they're NAIA-made players, fans, and family who are experts in the apparel and merchandise world. AdCraft allows you to take the hassle out of ordering. Let their knowledgeable design and customer service staff handle everything from hosting the store online shipping, and helping your customers if they have questions so you can get back to the game. Find them online at adcraftusa.com and adcraftwebstores.com. Hey, NAI football fans, Corey Thorpe here with another edition of the NAIF Ball podcast brought to you by and powered by our friends at AdCraft USA. Keep an eye out. I've been saying it for a couple of weeks. Keep an eye out. We're going to have a, a web store coming out here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, just saw the proofs and uh, got an idea of what it's going to look like. You guys are really going to like what you see. But again, you are not here to hear me ramble about our web store. You are here to listen to a coach. And tonight we have uh, Ryan Nowers from Montana Western Coach. How are you doing tonight? We're doing great. Perfect. And I did get that last name right. Correct. It is Norse. It's Norse. Norse. I'm sorry. Ryan Norse. My bad, guys. This is what happens when you don't ask questions before you go live about how to pronounce things. But, Coach, it, it was a, it was a, it's been a very interesting couple of years for y'all. I want to go back a couple of years here and just talk real quickly about uh, Montana Western's decision to sit out of spring. Um, talk about, uh, was, was that something that y'all decided together to do, or is that uh, an external thing that happened? It was all, it was all of us, you know, players included. Um, you know, if you've ever been to Dillon, Montana in February, you know there's not many opportunities to get outside to practice appropriately and when you do you're doing it on ice um so we we went from really uh kind of a health and safety standpoint well this is the decision that we made we didn't see getting in potentially four games um in the spring as as being important enough to risk a lot of the other things that we are considering doing um we only had one or two seniors who were going to graduate. Everyone else had decided they were going to come back regardless, no matter what. Um, so we were, um, although disappointed that we couldn't make playing feasible, we had a direction and uh, a goal in mind of what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And our guys knew the why, so we made it work so talk to me about what that spring was like then did y'all just do spring practice like normal and just kind of go about business as usual for a football season or did you put on some extra workouts or or what was that spring like for y'all we just uh we started over we decided we just did a a regular spring our off season was already different because we were so vastly restricted in numbers who could be in our weight room and numbers we could have in the arena in terms of workouts. So once we were able to get into spring practices, we just did our 
we just did what we always do with spring practice and uh, had our spring annual spring scrimmage. And then we moved into summertime in preparation for 2021. And I'm really interested because a lot of the other teams that have had this very compacted season with playing in the spring and in this fall and then last fall in 2021, it seemed like we had a lot of injuries. Did did y'all kind of see that from some of the teams that you played in, in the frontier like Carroll or um, College of Idaho? You know, we did. I felt like there was some impact that way. That was also one of my concerns with um, – with our team as well, having a veteran team and would you, will they get bored? Are you going to be dealing with injuries? You know, you're always dealing with them. So we did a little bit, um, but I don't think it was um, impactful enough to maybe uh, hurt teams ability to be successful. And then let's turn the page a little to, to this year here. Um, you start out one and one, you get a win at home against Carroll. You lose at Eastern Oregon. And then you really get a, a nice win against Dickinson State, who really was reeling in the first part of the season this year in 2021. Talk to me about, um, you know, getting that win over, uh, I believe, an old conference rival, um, you know, and, and someone who's been in the playoffs for the last several years. Yeah, you know, it was um... – the start of the season for us after being off for so long, I, I knew it was going to impact our performance. And I didn't realize how much, you know, football is one of those deals where you kind of need to continue uh, to, to play and, and have a lot of continuity with. And, and uh, um, I was with the way that we played in those first three games to come out with two wins, I, I was I was really pleased because we we did not perform anywhere near our potential. Uh, but the Dickinson game was a was a big game for for us, you know, playing another ranked team, uh, traveling there, doing it on the road. You know, that's a successful football program. You know, Coach Stanton and those guys they all they do is win. You know, and they're able to make the playoffs each year and they they've competed at a high level so to be able to go on the road after a year off of football and um be able to get a good victory was uh was definitely motivating for our team so coming down towards the end of the season um you have a a loss midseason to to Rocky Mountain, but you do have a chance, as is pretty normal in the frontier, to get a little bit of revenge. But for y'all, this wasn't just any old revenge. This was revenge to win the conference. How much did the need to win by a certain amount, if I remember correctly how that actually all went down, um... Well, I didn't, go ahead. Yeah, I, I didn't know how much we needed to win by. None of that stuff was shared with with me. Um, I guess everyone thought we were just going to lose. So um, I didn't find out what we needed to win by to win the tiebreaker um, 
until right before we snapped the ball to kick a field goal to win oh, the game. Um, so that's, I just called timeout and ran a play. We had practiced to see um, if we couldn't make something happen there. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I didn't really know all we did at the end of the season was win. So, um, you know, we won our last three, like we were supposed to, and we played good enough to beat, Rocky in the last game and and uh I was big for our guys you know to be able to you know after we had that breakdown against College of Idaho and and uh lost that game on the road you know we I uh, had a lot of our team was teetering a little bit and and uh just to continue to fight and to be a finisher and to be able to get that win at the end is was um was tremendous for for our guys, I was sure proud of their ability to battle all the way through. And um, yeah, it was a crazy conference this year, very competitive from top to bottom and to be able to win it was, um, yeah, it was awesome. I mean, you, you talk about the competitiveness in there, even a team like MSU Northern, who has historically struggled in the frontier, they got off the schneid and won a game this year. I was, I was, um, I was very happy to see them them win one game and and you know and and get off of that offer. Yeah, that was we were uh, just uh, talking about that in a staff meeting today. You know how going even into Northern, um, you know, you're sometimes I'm more nervous about that game than I am other games because I don't really necessarily know what's going to happen. Um, although they haven't had the success that other teams have they've still had quality teams and competitive guys so um you know what just the psyche of your team when you go into those games against somebody who hasn't had the win-loss success it's still a challenge and that's one of the great things about the frontier conference is you know top to bottom it's it's really competitive and there's a lot of parity each year and and uh playing people twice is a big challenge so um that second game is is usually a very uh, very uh tough matchup it definitely is and that's definitely something that is unique about the frontier um i wonder for myself if the frontier couldn't improve kind of its outside um respect level if if it might move to a different scheduling method but um what are some what are some other ways because the frontier to me is one of and i'm going to get in so much trouble for saying this with the other conference guys who who hear this but i honestly think the frontier is the most underrated conference uh, in the naia it's hard for us because of the double double games um to not lose games. So um, it's a real challenge uh, to get up anymore high enough in those rankings unless, you know, you just, unless we have a team that is kind of heads and above the others. And, uh, and that's nothing against anybody else's conference. They're wonderful teams all over the conference. I mean, we got to play the number one team in the country and Lindsey Wilson today. What a great experience to go and, and play against the the best that the NAIA has to 
has to offer. Um, but you're right, and we're working on that right now. The thing with our place here is is geography. There's not very many other NAIA institutions. You know, just to get from Dillon, Montana, to Ashland, Oregon, is you know about 20 hours on a bus. So you know, the travel out here is is extensive. So to to find those thing, you know, ten games and single matchups is um, is is really hard, and that's why we do the double up games. But we are currently trying to work on a model to lessen those. We know that would help out. I think with the the rest of the country. I, I think some folks think that playing a second game against somebody that might be easier and weakens your conference, or or maybe when you do that with an opponent, but I would tell you, I mean, if you ask guys who've had to play each other twice, it's um, anybody in a year. It's one of the hardest things to do in, in football. And, and uh, regardless of, um, you know, what the records are with those teams. So anybody who can do that, that's tough sledding. I mean, we, we saw it even just what a month-ish ago when Georgia beats Alabama in the national championship game after losing to them roughly a month before in the SEC championship game. Anybody who thinks that doubling up on games with the same opponent is easy needs to go talk to Nick Saban. Yeah, I, I agree. And some, it's you know, it's kind of a foreign deal in football, so I, I don't harbor any resentment or anybody on their opinions or, or what that is, but um, it is it is a challenge. But also, you know, in the NAI, you know, we – you know what? We need to get in the playoffs, and when we do, you know, we we need to come away with some more victories and and move our continue to move our teams um, higher. I, I think we have good teams here, and I I do believe any team we get in from our conference is going to be a competitive outfit and and have a chance to to win playoff games. And um, you know, we're just going to have to get in there and do it again. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, what's the last Frontier team that I can remember actually making a good bit of noise is Southern Oregon, uh, maybe about five-ish years ago now. Yeah, you know, College of Idaho, you know, won their first That's round right. game in 2019, I believe, and then, That's you know, right. lost a really tight one at the end to Grandview. So, but yeah, you know, I mean, Southern made those great runs, and, and that was a different deal. You know, they were able to stay ranked. You know, we had multiple teams who were able to stay ranked at that time. So it allowed them to, um, yeah, allowed them to, you know, have those opportunities to host a playoff game. And, and as we all know, that's, you know, that's what you're going for. That you're more likely to win at home than you are on the, the road. And, and we just, whatever the reasons are, you know, um, regardless, you know, we just got to get in and we got to win. And in our league, you just have to keep on winning. No excuses, right? You just, like everybody else, you know, you just, whether you play them twice or you play them once, you, you got to win the game that's been, that's put in front of you. And, and uh, we're going to try to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about what you've got coming back. You've got some good weapons that you've got coming back, including your signal caller, uh, John Jund, uh, you know, who, who, accounts for 42 touchdowns between his rushing output and his passing output there in 2021. Almost a thousand yard back in Reese Neville and a really electric all-purpose guy there in Trey Mounts who's good whether you're 
handing him the ball, whether you're throwing him the ball, or whether he's there returning the ball on special teams. So talk about talk about your offense a little bit. Yeah, I mean we're we're excited about what we've got coming back. You know, we don't have to change a lot of things, refine some things, and do some things better for the guys that we do have. And we know we've got some proven um, competitors, you know, and proven producers out there with uh, Jund and Neville and, and, and Mounts. I think the area we're most excited about seeing growth in is, is really our, um, our offensive line. You know, I mean, we will only have one senior again this year and we returned three freshman starters you know, we started three freshmen against Lindsey Wilson in the playoff game, and they learned they learned a lot about college football that ball game with uh, with uh, Lindsey's uh, defense. It was outstanding, and and that's so we're really excited, just really about what how we can continue to grow and come and become better, and and also you know we've got three really productive players that we can go and lean on, and then a senior offensive lineman, you know, and Noah Danielson, who's just been an incredible leader on our football team for years. So we're, uh, yeah, we're, we're excited about the direction we think we can go through spring ball and then what we can do again in the fall. On the other side of the ball, you, you do lose a couple of, of linebackers, a couple of anchor pieces there in uh, Joe Casado and Kyle Schulte. But you do return back a lot of your secondary uh, you know, anchored by Braden Swank and Cameron Rouser there, as well as a, a nice piece on your on your line and Tanner Harrell. Ah, forgot to to mention Latrell McCutcheon in in the defensive secondary as well. Yeah. Um, talk about those guys and uh, you know, playing good defense in a league where good defense is as common as uh, uh as pennies. Yeah. Um. Well, again, we do. We have a good group coming back on defense, really strong defensive line, lots of guys who have played a lot of minutes and, and started a lot of football games. And losing those two in the middle, I mean, those are those are three-year, four-year starters for us. And Joe and, and Kyle was a two-time captain for us. You know, those guys are just um, – they've just been stalwarts in our program for so long. And there's really no replacing them, but we've got some guys who had really good um, minutes for us last year and who um, have been building up in in our program over the years, you know, and uh, in Braden Smith, who'll be coming into his junior season, and he's ready to step in there at one of those linebacker positions. And, and we've got some just really great young football players who just haven't hit the field yet to help out and challenge in that defensive secondary as well. Um, you know, we had really good competition back there and, and uh, Swank and McCutcheon came up and, and became really good football players for us at corner and Cameron Rouser, a guy we'll, we'll use more down in the box this year and move Cam around to fit some more of his strengths, but he's a great leader and, and uh, outstanding football player for us so we're we feel pretty good about where we're where we're going and it is exciting we've got a lot of the d front guys back but then we've got some new back end guys um that we're going to be competing like crazy this spring to see who's going to get some of those starting spots so 
exciting for them, but exciting for our coaching staff too, to see how these guys uh, can develop and then play now that it's their turn. Before I let you go, I, I'm going to kind of ask you the question that I've been been asking everybody, and you actually will have a, a unique perspective on this, I think, given your background and having served as Montana Western's athletic director for three years in between stints as head football coach. Um, you know, and, and being in Montana, you're going to have a little bit of a leg up on, on some of the guys who are in the bigger cities in this regard, but how do you and your athletic department engage and build your support base and those relationships and uh, grow that support outside the lines so that you can grow your program as a whole? Yeah, so at Western, you know, Western's been one of those places that's always been about people. So it's, a, it's really about relationships and, and building those relationships and and starting that out in our community, um, we have a lot of alum in our state and region who are teachers and coaches. So just in terms of it's a natural communication piece with myself and our staff, because we're seeing those folks a lot, building that support as well. But, you know, in terms of geography and some things, everything's kind of far away out here in Montana. So it starts at your home base. You know, our home base is Dillon. Dillon, Montana is an incredible sports town. This community is is awesome. They support everything kids do. If it, it doesn't matter if it's a freshman in the high school and FFA or if it's, you know, the Bulldogs going on a playoff trip. You know, our, our community is there to help in any way that we can. So really, we ours is outreach, getting out as much as we can into our community. And then because of the geography, using our alumni and supporters in those other areas across our region to, um, to continue to tell our story. And uh, we only have 5,000 people in Dillon, Montana. So it's a, we are a rural Montana town. So we really rely heavily on our supporters and our alumni, um, that relationship that we have with them and then their ability to, to tell our story and, and spread that out through the rest of our supporters in the region. Well, Coach, I want to thank you again for, for coming on tonight and chatting with me, and I'm definitely looking forward to watching some good Frontier football come the fall. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for uh, yeah, thanks for giving me a chance to be on your podcast here. And, uh, um, yeah, anytime you get Frontier guys out here, we sure appreciate your guys' uh, – your guys' coverage and, and uh, the support that we get. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the NAIF Ball Podcast powered by AdCraft USA. Be sure to contact them for all your custom apparel, merch, and uniform needs. Thanks also to Mommy Bay and Turf Nation for their support of the NAIF Ball Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to the podcast and to our YouTube channel. Leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app that allows you to leave a rating and review. As always, if you'd like to support what we do, head over to patreon.com slash ball and become a patron. We can't do what we do without support from our sponsors and listeners like you.